Hello, my name's Charlie Winston and this is my podcast called As We Are, which is inspired by my most recent album, As I Am. It's discussions with people who interest me and inspire me. Some of those people you may know, but others you may never have heard of. But that's not the point, you see, because I'm simply interested in people. So, without further ado, I shall let you discover this episode. Take me as I am. The following conversation is with a very lovely lady called Anna Marie Ho, whose official title is the Executive Director of the UN Official Office for Partnerships, Mobilising Sustainable Development Goals from Zero Hunger to Climate Action, 17 Global Goals to Transform Our World. How we met is talked about at the beginning of our conversation, but all I'd like to say now is how grateful I am that such a busy lady as herself should take the time out to have a little chat with me on my podcast, as I'm sure it's not one of the most important things on her to-do lists. So with that said, here is my conversation with Anne-Marie Ho. I just wanted to say thank you so much for doing this uh, because it's, it means, means a great deal to me, not only based on our story and how we met, which is a great story, but also um, to have the honour to, to, to interview someone who doesn't normally get into the, inter- into the seat of being interviewed and uh, <laughs> kind of trusting me to take that on. So how are you anyway? I'm great. As you say, I'm a bit nervous because um, as our little texts back and forth, I'm used to being the one asking the questions, not answering them. (laughs) So, you know, you're going to get a few questions along the way. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Okay, okay, no problem. So let's start with, let's start off by how we met. Basically, I, I was, um, I had written the song Say Something for my third album, Curiosity. And, um, it was exactly when we were going to start making the video for the song. It was exactly at the moment when um, Syrian, uh, the Syrian war broke out and then hundreds of thousands of Syrians were moving across the border and uh, in Germ- going to Germany particularly. And then there was this outcry from the neo-Nazi group. Um, and, a, and a German friend reached out to me and said, Charlie, you, you know, you are someone who could who could say something about this and it just it just all connected the dots so I started getting this idea and then I had a gig in Geneva so I got the my plane from Gatwick to Geneva and sat next to me was you hyperventilating (laughs) (laughs) absolutely hyperventilating and I'm sitting in the aisle and you're like 10 times taller than I am but you're sitting in the middle you graciously you know, let me sit in the aisle because I needed a bit of space because I'm not a great flyer. And you were the most calming presence and you just started to engage me and you started talking to me, telling me about what you were doing. Um, I I didn't recognize you. And so it was kind of, you know, this little bit of, Bill, this is kind of what I do. And then you put some headphones on me. And yeah, I, well, I mean, that was, that was I, I remember that was quite a while after yeah. we actually had the, I mean, because I can remember, I can remember thinking, okay, the only way that this lady's going to calm down is if she has to concentrate <laughs> on something else. Because, <laughs> sorry, I don't, I'm kind of painting this picture of you as this total mess <laughs> on the plane, which I, I don't think, I think that's either very fair, but um, it was actually a really nice way to start a conversation because then we were really, 
just engaged in like full conversation about what we do and where we're going. And, and the crazy thing for me was that I had just had been having this conversation with my team saying how we don't want to do something with just footage so we want to it would be great to get in touch with someone you know someone like the united nations or or or, or the, the red cross and and so there was obviously a, a good reason for me to ask you questions although it took a while for you to tell me really what you did because <laughs> the reason you're in in london was actually not about uh, necessarily so much about the i mean it was related to what you do but it was tell us about the book that you wrote I had written with the team that I was with um, a children's book, and it was actually brought, I found a copy today, it's called The The Bravest Boy I Know, and it was about um, helping children really understand what it's like living with HIV, and it was really to help dispel any stigma and to really show that um, kids who are living with HIV are just the same as everyone else. Um, they may be taking medication, they may have um, some days they're not feeling as up as other days, but otherwise they're leading very, very normal and lives with all the other kids um, around them. And so, um, and then it just won an award from the British Medical Association, which was really, really great and uh, wonderful visibility. And I think we were talking a little bit about the book and what it means and, and there were just like these beautiful illustrations by Sujin Rim. And yeah, it was, it was such a different kind of conversation than we kind of segued back into kind of what you were doing. And, and mm. we kind of, um, I mean, when I heard the song, it was just, for you it clicked, for me it clicked. Um, when you, and yeah. it just, all of it just sort of fell into place. And my, my, head was just spinning with all these different ideas and all the people you should meet. And um, can I, am I able, able to skip ahead now? And so oh, yeah, we, we have it. this yeah, like, it's my... not a long flight, but we did almost talk the entire time. And, yeah, and we get off the airplane and Geneva is a small airport. And so when you get out and you kind of go through this war and we're still talking and walking and then we get into the area and that's and it's a tiny airport so there's only a couple of baggage stands and and <laughs> and there he is the head of the International Federation <laughs> of the Red Cross SC who used to be you my old boss yes yeah, so and we talked yeah. about him on the airplane and I'm like oh this is fate I was fated to yeah. sit next to you to have this lovely conversation to kind of learn about what you're doing, to hear about this amazing song and what you want to do with the song to bring attention to the issue and help people get involved. And I'm thinking about, you know, the exact person I want to introduce you to. And then we're there and, and he's there. And the reason you can see, you know, immediately I see is that he's, he's the tallest person I know. And you're pretty tall, but he's, he is truly the <laughs> tallest person I know. So no, he, he was, I was looking up to him, <laughs> metaphorically and, and Exactly. You, he is absolutely yeah. one of those people you just are inspired by and you look up to. And there he is. And I'm like, I'm nearly running toward him. And I'm like, oh, it's so fantastic to see you here. You'll never believe. I think this was meant to be. And he's just the gentlest person with the it's gentlest voice, beautiful person. Yeah. And I mean, I think he's used to my energy. And so, um, and of course we do the introduction and I wouldn't say the rest is history. A lot had to be done 
um, next, but I think that started uh, the song and you on a really cool pathway that it helped millions absolutely. and millions of people understand better what was going on. Yeah, absolutely. It was an incredible journey for me. And, uh, and uh, I'd certainly like to talk about that that journey in a little bit as well. But but the fact that it all came together and stars aligned in that way was so, it was so bizarre. And so it was such, such a beautiful thing, really. But it was also the reason why I kind of mentioned the book so quickly was because I had uh, just become a father to my second child. And, um, and naturally, as a dad you you start to think a lot about you know you're you're paying a lot of attention to the kind of uh possible hurdles that you're coming across with the kids and paying a lot of attention to their their health and stuff and and so I was really interested in that but it it said so much about you as a person and the fact that you're you're doing what you do because it's a job and it's but it's also because there's a there's an innate drive in you to, to want to do this and it's something you're passionate about. And that's, that also speaks volumes as well. But the, the fact that I got to be, I got to sort of have a look into your world and also the world, it, and re- very much the world in which you live in the UN, but also in, the, in, the, in Geneva and the Red Cross and, and the kind of the, the, the links that were all made between you. And that was so interesting to find out all that stuff. You just realize how small a world it is. And I think one of the joys in life is to be able to connect to people and to make connections where, you know, someone yeah. has a dream or someone has an idea and there are others who share that passion or that idea. And together we are so much stronger than one. And so being able to make those connections is such a, it's such a great fulfilling thing feeling. I mean, for me, it's just like one of the coolest things I'm able to do. And, and to see, you know, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but when it works, yeah. it's a, it's a great feeling. Yeah, it's amazing. It really is. No, but um, I, 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 it was a challenging experience for me. And, and I know that you know that because we, we've touched on it before, but it was a very, I'd never really dived into that, that world before. And for me, I was coming from a very kind of human, um, humble place, like not really, it wasn't anything political or for me, it was just seeing people be thrown out of their homes and having to deal with that and, and how we can get involved from an outside. But it's, it's, so, it's so much about perspective. Um, it changed my perspective a lot because when you see it on television, you see thousands and you know, hundreds of thousands of people flock flocking in, in big groups. I think this, the, the mainstream media can kind of share that, like it's a sort of monster that's approaching, you know, and, and, and um, but what I, what I experienced, and I, I never really thought that myself, but, but at the same time, there was a lot of perspectives that changed for me when I got inside, like the, the, um, the gateway at Macedonia, you know, between the Asian Sea and, and, and um, the Eastern Europe, and then when I was in Berlin and and in the camps and meeting, you know, just surrounded by all these very beautiful people, many of them, and and it was just something that struck me was how um, there is people, just individuals, going through their lives, and that's really that's the basis of what I want to talk about on this podcast because I want to find out more about you as an individual. 
but <laughs> excuse me for that. <laughs> I saw your face when I said that. But I want to do it through the through the kind of look of my my album has been very much through COVID period. I I I, I um, did a lot of exploration in myself about how I see myself in this world and the experiences how they've built me and created me, but also challenging myself in many ways. Um, and so I'm going to ask you questions based on those on some of the songs that I've written. And so I would like to ask you, the first song on my album is called uh, All That We Are, and it's kind of looking, the first line is, uh, looking out upon horizons, I see uh, buildings for miles and miles around, and it's, it's just taking a look at the world in, in general and asking, uh, asking myself, how do I fit into this? Where's my place in this? And, and so I'd like to ask you, with your life like where how do you see your place in the world where you're at now and where you've come from and where you'd like to go to i think like many people um covid really asked you to look inward as well as look outward um and i think maybe i was looking outward a lot more at the beginning um there's this massive crisis we went into lockdown um, people turn and look at the United Nations and want to know mm. what is the United Nations going to do. And I'm in a privileged spot to be able to kind of try to continue to, to help in whatever way I can because I can just see that the need is really, really great. And so I kind of went into just 24-7 just working, just trying to figure out. And it kind of took my mind off of everything else. But at some point, you know, it all kind of catches up with you. And yeah. And I, I think right now, um, in my world, um, you know, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a wife, I'm, um, and I'm an advocate for what I'm doing. And I believe in it so much. And I think that it is right now, my work is taking a, a large, large, large part of, it's a large part of my life. And I would say a bit of my identity too, in the sense that because I'm spending so much time around it. Um, and it is a funny part of that. I'll, I'll just touch on this because it, it was one of those things that struck me. Um, and it was maybe something that when we were um, chatting online or on the phone right before this, you had talked about your outreach to for Say Something to talk with some of the celebrity friends that you know to ask them to join you on this mm. journey. So at the one point, mm. you're working with and you're seeing what is humanity, you're you're talking to refugees, you're and on the other side, this whole other sort of celebrity side. And how do those two mm. worlds sort of meet and collide and how can one help the other? Um, I've I've had a couple of those dichotomy kind of situations where I'm thinking, okay, on the mm. one hand I'm working with um, you know, celebrity side, and on the other hand, this is what we're we're actually trying to do is serve the people, and how can these kind of two meet? And there's many, many people in between who are doing all of their things, but it just shows you that everyone um, has something to offer and something to give, and it's just finding yeah. those connections to make sure that those happen, and that is a large yeah. part of my life right now, um, and I kind of do it in my <laughs> I would say I do it for work and I kind of try to do it for, you know, in all aspects. I guess that's, it's kind of built in me now to do that. But that's really true. I mean, it's, 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 
at some point in our lives, we have to find this balance between making it work on both sides. Like, if we're going to help the world, you know, of all these millions of thousands of people, sorry, millions of people that we don't know, are we applying that to the people that we do know in our lives, even if that just means yourself? Um, but my second song is called Algorithm, and it, I talk about, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm posing as an algorithm. I say, I'll be your algorithm. Follow everything you do, et cetera, et cetera. Like they do. They become like lovers, you know, algorithms. They follow everything we do, so they give us more of what we want. Um, but I'm wondering how that's affected you um, during that period where you were going through, you know, looking outward and then coming to look inward as a, as a daughter, as a sister, all those roles you play. And did you find that algorithms in terms of being online, during COVID, while you're at home, helped or hindered? I think it started, uh, I, you know, I think we all got to know Zoom and Teams and how to communicate through FaceTime and all these different ways of communicating that we probably never were uh, very good at before. Um, and it was... I guess it's sometimes, it's fantastic to be able to do this. Like you and I can see each other right now and it's it's lovely to see mm. your expressions, but yeah. it doesn't take the place of being able to see someone in person. Uh, and that really brought right. it home to me because I, I got to New York really like maybe six months before the pandemic. So I, I had just mm. left Geneva after being there for almost 15 years. And so coming to New York, which is a really big city and I've been here before and my brother lives here, but it's just... It's a different kind of way of getting an introduction to a city that um, that went into lockdown, really is just as always getting ready to start oh, to yeah. meet people. And so it was such an interesting thing to meet everyone for the first time. I met my team um, for the first time on, online. I met so oh. many people online for the first time. Inevitably, when I see them finally now in person in the office, I'm like, oh, you are so much taller than you are on Zoom, because I feel like everyone's my height <laughs> yeah. in Zoom. Um, yeah. So it's, 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 and I hadn't realized how much I missed the human connection and interactions. Yeah. Um, I hadn't traveled uh, for a very long time, and I just went to Berlin, actually, full circle. Um, and it was just having the chance to exchange ideas over dinner with other people, which I, I've been really careful over the pandemic. I usually have my mask on. Um, I, you know, I've really tried to limit the um, being in crowds. And, and so um, but just having that free flowing conversation and people challenging ideas that things that you can't do over um, a call typically. And so it was, I hadn't realized how empty I'd been feeling until that actually happened. And it was just filling me back mm. up with emotion and, and just thought and being provoked and really kind of, you know, getting uncomfortable again. I got very comfortable in my, you know, sort of routines and the way we did things and, and getting uncomfortable again. And that was good. And it was, it was good to yeah. have that debate that is a lot harder to do online and, and to get lots of questions and to ask lots of questions and that interaction and laughing together that i mean that was such a such a joy to be able to have and um the other thing i'll just say is on a personal note is um because we really didn't leave our apartment we got to know i was i was telling people you know i um 
I got to know our apartment really, really well, um, and and not very much New York yet, um, but was just a great relationship I have with my husband. We 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 are actually best friends, and that was a really nice reminder um, that you know we <laughs> we actually enjoyed spending time together, and and we are part of each other's lives. And so that was a nice reminder when you're traveling and working, and you don't you forget some of these small things that actually so add nice. up to be very big things. And you've met Absolutely. Blaise, and you know that you know, yeah. he's an yeah. awesome person. He's a great guy. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's, uh, it was the same for me. I mean, uh, during that period, I went into a reflection state, place, place of reflection. And, um, uh, you know, it, it was interesting because... When you're together that much with each other, you start to, well, I started to question and look into, like in the same way that you moved back from Switzerland to New York, we moved from England. Just after we met, we moved from England to France. And then we were making a life here, much like yourself. Um, and, and it's interesting where you find yourselves, you kind of cling on, you can cling on to each other. Um, and because there's this element of you have to go out there and make friends and do this. And, and one of my songs is called um, I Will Never Hold You Back. And it was really kind of a declaration to my wife to say, look, I'm not going to stop you from going out and finding yourself in this, this new world that we live in now. And, um, and I think that's a real a testament to a relationship as well is... is how much do you hold on to each other? How much do you let go of each other? Have you ever had that in your life? You know, it could be it could be related to your work or or just the role the role you play as a as a companion. You know, do you f have you found these moments of holding each other back and and not realizing it until much later? I think we all probably do at some point feel that it's so secure. Um, what we have and not wanting to take a risk or rock the boat. But at the same time, I think we're both people who want the best for everyone around us. And and so yeah. it goes back to exactly. if I want the best for you, um, I'm going to do this podcast. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and no, I, I, it, it, but it really is about I want the best for you. So if there's some something I think I can do to help, um, I'm going to do it. And I think we try to apply it to um, the team I'm in, the people I work with day in, day out. What can I do to help? And it's not that I have all the answers, but I am trying to be a better listener and to really to mm. listen to people and to really find out what it is they really need and want. And, um, and that's why... Yeah. For us, you know, it's just on a fundamental level, and I'm going to bring it back to work for a second, is just that yeah. that's why I really believe in these, these global goals that we talked about, these sustainable development goals, because they are at the heart of getting everyone's needs, basic, basic needs met so that they can not be held back, so that circumstances are not holding them back, that we are not, as a society or a community, holding anyone back. 
And if you flip it, it's kind of like we want to leave no one behind. Um, as we all mm. go forward, we also don't want anyone to get stuck where they are and they don't have that opportunity to move forward, whether it's because of education or lack of jobs or the skills to be able to do that or being in a place where climate change is affecting them and they're not going to be able to carry on with their livelihood. So much of that is happening around the world right now that it's there's a sense in me that all of us have almost a responsibility to try to figure out what it is that our neighbor, whether it's you know across the street or across the world, really does need. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm kind of hoping all the introspection we've all been going through um, helps us lead to that idea that you know we're not alone. Um, it may feel mm. like it sometimes, but we're not alone, and that we need to check up on everyone and to see and to see how they're doing and what can we do as we emerge from our shells of the pandemic. Yeah. I guess what you're saying is like introspection is helpful as long as we take it to make the balance of outrospection as well. <laughs> and we and we can kind of swing between the two because absolutely listening is so important. But also I think listening, I mean, being a good listener, um, especially it's, I imagine it's so important in what you're doing, but it's all, it's, it's, I can imagine that sometimes you're forced to see things from a different angle than perhaps you originally began. Has that ever, has that happened to you once or within your work where, I mean, you're working in these big, huge conceptual environments. Well, no, it's not even conceptual, it's actual, but where you're having to actualize certain things. But have you started with an intention or started with an idea about something and then you just realize, oh, hang on, I'm really, I've got to see this from another perspective? I think that happens every day. Um, and okay. too often we don't stop um, to, you just kind of, yes, absolutely. Sometimes you just go full on and you forget that to ask people and consult with others and and at the same time, sometimes I think, um, you know, that's a great thing about walking into this building every day is that this is my, um, the Deputy Secretary General, Mina Mohammed often calls it, this is our global town hall, and we live in this big global village. And this is a place for people to come and talk about their issues and to listen to each other and try to find solutions. And it's one of the few places left that we can do that on a global scale. Um, and so oftentimes I'll, I've thought something and let's go down this route. And it's n only through this dialoguing that we find out that there are other ways or someone's already doing it. And we don't need to repeat it. We just mm. need to scale it. We need to give, right. you know, fueled for it to be able to reach everyone everywhere. And so there's there's these opportunities there. And it's sometimes it's so easy to get a little bit myopic and just kind of think about your own world and then realize, oh my gosh, there's so many other smart tur people out there who have so much drive and um, and have such great ideas and they just need a bit more space in order to operate. And, and, and so trying to make sure we find them and give them space, I think is another, yeah. is another yeah. thing. There's a song I wrote called This Storm Too Shall Pass. And it's really about seeing that when you're right in the middle, you're at the apex of a, of, of a storm, <laughs> that how, how, like, well, first off, there's two questions. One is, what's the greatest storm that you've been in, where, in your work? 
uh, meaning, uh, sorry to put it, call it a storm, but I mean where it's really like, how are we going to deal with this? We're like, there's two things bumping up against each other, and this is just, I can't see a, a, a way out of this. And also, uh, in those situations, are you able to take a step back, or have you learned to be able to take a step back and say, this is going to pass, it's going to be okay? I think what you just said there is so, so important that to take the step back to say, to come with the idea that it is going to be okay is to, because I think there's quite a lot of feelings right now that, oh no, no, it's never going to be okay. Um, And if you Mm. start with that, there's, it's so much harder to get to okay um, if you're going to, if you start in the negative space. and so I think just coming to starting point where it says, okay, there, there is a way through and there are multiple ways through. And if we're looking to be okay at the end of this, how are we going to get there? And it may be different paths for different people, but if everyone is at least determined to find the okay way out, um, I think that's just a huge win. And I don't think we often think of it that way. I mean, and then you have to go with kind of step-by-step step in multiple directions. And um, it's this multiple dimensions and different layers. And, and I work on more on the development side. But if you look at everything that's going on and the inequalities that we face, everything gets exasperated when there is a crisis, whether it be climate change or war or conflict. All of the other issues around our lives and, and um, get affected. and and. I think there's there's so many different examples of this, but it's just if you have that premise, which you just said, and I've never really articulated that way, but I think it just helps you think solution-oriented rather than just being in the drama of the moment uh, and mm. and getting stuck in the drama of the moment and the and the horrendousness of the situation or being overwhelmed by the lives that are being affected and the lives lost and the livelihoods lost and families being torn apart. I mean, it's, it's a lot to, to think about in the world right now if you watch the news. And, and, I, yeah. and it can be overwhelming. Um, but is that something that's changed like throughout your life or did you start with that kind of, did you always have that outlook or did you start from a place of, a more worried place, you know, were, were you, was worrying cl- included in this or <laughs> I think is, is that out of the window? Uh, I think there's always the worry and slightly anxiousness. And, um, you know, I'm someone who uh, does like to have, you know, try to, I try to be a bit organized, and I do like to have as much information I can. I think data is a really big, important part of it. I think creativeness and data put together. Um, I I think of all these things. But I think there is an underlying worry um, always, Um, just because we've seen, I mean, you've been up close. You see how people's lives are affected, and you see if there isn't the urgency, you get impatient. That Where's the urgency? Mm. Where's the ambition? Um, course, because yeah. you you know every moment we lose takes takes away something. Um, at mm. the same time, you can't let it overwhelm you, and you become stuck. And so, you, I think you, I stay positive because of all the amazing stories of people I've seen who have found a solution, who 
who are starting this amazing school lunch program in Kenya and you know and all the kids are getting yeah. school lunches and she's thought about a way to work with tech and local farmers so it's almost farm to table and I mean we're, we're doing amazing things and that's what gives you kind of hope and inspiration and I think you surround yourself with hope and inspiration to um, as artists I think I mean I wouldn't consider myself an artist but I do consider myself a creative person who Absolutely. who yeah. has to have those stories and wants to share those stories because of how much um, inspiration I take from it. And if I'm taking inspiration from it, I know others will too. And so how do we continue to share those stories and make sure these um, amazing people have voice out there and, and to give us all hope that we are going to get to that other side okay, um, that we are yeah. going to get through whatever this challenge is okay. And yeah. I mean, we talk a lot about mental health right now. That was such a taboo subject a, long, a while ago. And I think increasingly people are thinking it's the whole self that you kind of have to make whole. And so all of the different steps mm. that we need to do that for ourselves, our communities, our, our family, um, and then being able to get out into the world. Yeah, it's interesting you said to do that for ourselves. Uh, because you, there's a self in you as well. And you're, you know, it has to, our our outlook on the world has to begin with us as well. So, I mean, do you, uh, are you, is there an element of protecting yourself? Like, uh, and also, does anyone worry about you? I mean, I just here, I, I know that, and I'm always really touched by it too. I mean, I have, I work in an amazing team and we are looking out for each other because it is a high stress job and, but we all chose it or it chose us in some kind of way. And we, we do um, think that we can make a difference. And, 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 I, and I do feel that we are able to make a bigger difference in, in some, some whatever small parts that we play because of that team and knowing that someone is kind of looking out for me. Um, is going to, yeah. you know, if I'm headed down a wrong path, someone's going to kind of say, hey, hey, hey. And then, you know, show yeah. me something that's going to help me get back. I don't think anyone's going to let me go too far down the really wrong path. Um, you know, and yeah. I, and that's the sure. safety net that um, allows us to take risks and allows us to be a bit bolder and more ambitious. And um, is because we've got that safety net to say, okay, you know, we're going to but is it fall forward or, you know, it's okay if it doesn't work out, but we should try it or, or, you know, you really maybe don't, let's make a U-turn and maybe, or kind of turn this way. Um, I think I've been really lucky to have that in all aspects of my life is to, to have that support and people who believe in you um, to say, yeah, let's go for it, do it, try it. Um, there's no one, as you say, back to the song lyric, um, there's no one holding you back in the in that sense of it, um, but there's always someone looking out for you to make sure that um, you know we're going for the best possible solution or best outcome or best um, to make the best of an opportunity or to get through a challenge. Yeah, yeah. but I couldn't yeah, absolutely do it without it. I mean, if you were scared every step and you were trepidatious and you were worried uh it you know it wouldn't be it would not be a well it wouldn't be a fun <laughs> way to work and it would be really difficult and there's so many other challenges it's nice to know that you know 
we've got part of that. I mean, again, we're all human and we all have different things going on in our lives at any given moment um, that affect, you know, every part of the, our lives, work and otherwise. And so I think on balance, if we can have all of this, it's a great, great, great feeling. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned the song lyric again. I was actually touching on different song lyrics through the questions because one of my songs is called Don't Worry About Me. And it's just about getting on with things and, you know, trying to take take full responsibility of your life. Um, but I, I, I just have a just a couple quick questions um, uh, based, again, on, on songs, but we will wrap up soon. But firstly, there's a song called Exile and it's I live in France. I moved here. But the song is also talking about uh, not only my exile in my music, because uh, it's very much based in continental Europe, not so much in England, but. Um, and and also the fact that I've got a French wife, so I'm here living here. I've got a f you know my kids are Franglish, um, <laughs> but uh, but also like uh, I, re I I realised through psychotherapy actually that that I had uh, through certain traumas in my childhood I, I I exiled myself. I exiled my mind to another place to a cloud, which is where I tend to make music and be creative as well. Um, but you deal with exile on a very real level you know or you see it a lot in your work I, I think you know people are actually moving and um do you think that in the in the modern world that there's a lot more exile than or, i mean exile meaning like displacement than there ever was or do you think it's and i mean i mean also in ourselves you know related to the world in which we live because we used to grow up in places where Families would stick together more, be a community. You know, I don't live near my mum, so she doesn't get to be with my grandchildren. Like, perhaps in older days, we would have all stuck together in the same kind of area. Do you think that, like, also with the algorithms and stuff, we, it gives us permission to just go and split up and be apart? Does, does that play a, play a factor into things? I think it's, it's a question a lot of people are asking themselves, is this whole identity what is your identity? And yeah, um, yeah. as someone who, you know, lived in the same place pretty much for a very, very long time, all through college, through first works, and then moved to Europe for 15 years and came back, you know, where, where do I call home right now? It's a good question. Because yeah. um, yeah. my husband, who's American, but is originally from Cameroon through and, you know, lived and worked and studied in, in France. So it's, it's, and, you know, we have, and we lived in Switzerland. So it's, it's kind of this, where do you call home? Where do you want to land? Um, and then you add, we were having this really interesting conversation yesterday with Edin Dopu and, and with the DSG around identity. And, and now that there's this, there's so many places to live, not only on you know, physically, but also in the in this metaverse, this you know, this created world, where, you know, these are really big questions that I hope that there are some very big discussions going on right now about yeah. where where yeah. is your place in this whole entire sphere of or different worlds that there are, and if you don't like your physical world, and you go into you know a, your the metaverse world and and you create you know, identity there, and are we creating enough of the, um, giving people enough um, of their own identity where they feel comfortable in their own skin and happy and that the, and we're not, um, and that their needs are being met and that they, and that their wants are also being met and, 
and that their wants are sustainable and the things that are good for the world and it's not over-consumerized and all these kinds of things. You know, what is what is a great life right now? And I think there's such yeah. big questions and where do you live that great life? And and mm. and how, you know, what is it going to take? And I'm sure there are going to be lots and lots of questions, you know, not in the too distant future about, um, you know, finding that place of where you're comfortable yeah. and making sure that it is also great for yourself, for your family, for your community. It's, um, but they, there are much more um, well-versed people out there who, who can talk about this much more articulately, but it is something that yeah. I, I've started to think about, and because it is a question um, of where you call, where you land. But that's the point, we're all experiencing some version of reality. I have a song called Letter From My Future Self, where I imagined myself at 84, writing myself a letter to the person I am now. Not an easy task, but I'm going <laughs> to ask you. Anne-Marie, what do you think your future self would say to you right now? Um, That's super hard, I know. It's super hard. Uh, I think my future self would say, you know, Look at all the opportunity around you and don't and, and go for it. Don't hold back. Don't hold yourself back. Um, try it. Be brave. Be courageous. Um, and at the end of the day, what is most important to you? Um, you will make a difference in the world, but also are you making a difference in the, in the lives of your family and the people around you? So um, finding that balance, which is never easy, but... Um, I would like to have said that by by 84, um, <laughs> that you know I've I've done a bit of both, and um, that even at 84, there's still more to do. Amazing, amazing. Well, look to to, to before we go, I just want to say your book was very very profound in my family's life because after we met, I then my wife and I then discovered that my, my son had epilepsy and we had to, you know, find a medication for him and he has been taking it ever since. And we've still got both of your books in French and in English, which, which, which is by his bed. And it's been an amazing um, support mechanism for him to understand that he's not the only person in the world taking medication. Of course, he's not got AIDS like the, the boy in the book, but, you know... It's, it's a great reason why I wanted to speak to you today. And, and also, just as a friend, I can't thank you enough for, for you know, doing this for me and with me. I, I'm really touched. And I'm also really touched by your courage. Like you said, you think your 84-year-old self would say that to you, you know, to have courage. I think you've had a lot of courage just to do this, the very fact that you're the one usually ask, asking the questions. And today you've been a, had to be a little bit vulnerable. So thank you so, so much for joining me. And thanks, Charlie, for making it easy. It's a, it's a lovely conversation, and I... I'm so excited about everything that is um, ahead um, for you and for us, and I look forward to us working together again.